Welcome to the Maria Liberati Show, where food meets art, travel, and life. This is Maria Liberati. What does food mean to you? Tell me in a recorded soundbite of 60 seconds or less, or a post of 50 words or less. Post it on social media, hashtag it the Maria Liberati Show, and if your soundbite or quotes are selected to be part of an upcoming segment, I'll send you an autographed copy of my book, The Basic Art of Italian Cooking, to you as a special thanks anywhere in the world, and welcome to my audience in the USA and everywhere around the world. We may not speak the same verbal language, but we can communicate by food. Food means language to me. But because we are now all food literate, it becomes more difficult to impress others with our culinary prowess. I love finding ways to make the not-so-ordinary out of the ordinary. The once-chic French quiche and pesto and hummus, these are all things that were once considered gourmet, and now they've become somewhat ordinary. It used to be if you were in the U.S. and you made a quiche, it was considered somewhat of a gourmet dish. But now we all speak the same food language, which is a great thing. On a recent experience, I had an invite to an informal cocktail party in the center of Rome had me baffled as to what to bring. Maybe a hostess gift, a bottle of wine, a cake, or an appetizer tray. I just didn't want to be so ordinary. After all, this is the center of Rome where people make chic out of simple. Finally, it came to me. Make a quiche using rice for the crust instead of a pastry crust. But how to make rice compact and form into a crust was a bit of a dilemma. After a few experiments, I did it, and a rice-crusted quiche was born. Probably not for the first time. The finished quiche, placed on a pretty dish and wrapped in transparent cellophane, gathered in the center and tied with a ribbon, makes a perfect hostess gift. Bring a bottle of dry white wine for the perfect pairing, a dry Chianti or Verdicchio or maybe even Est Est Est. Heat the quiche and chill the wine whenever you get to your destination before serving. And here's my recipe for a rice-crusted quiche. One and a half cups of rice, one quarter pound of Emmental cheese grated, two eggs separated, three tablespoons of olive oil that should be extra virgin olive oil, or you can substitute butter if you'd like, and you're going to need just a little bit more to coat the pie pan. A half a pound of leeks finely chopped or scallions finely chopped, a half a pound of ricotta cheese, two ounces of Swiss cheese grated, grated Parmigiano Reggiano to taste, and salt and pepper a dash to taste. You're going to boil the rice for 15 minutes or the length of time that it tells you to cook on the rice package. Drain the rice and rinse it under cold water. Place it in a bowl after it's been drained. Then you're going to place in the grated emmental and the two egg whites. Blend and set this aside. You're going to coat the sides of a pie pan with either the butter or the olive oil and cut a circle of parchment paper to cover the bottom and sides of the pan. Dampen it just a little bit, bring out all the excess moisture and place it in the oiled or buttered pie pan to form the quiche. 
make sure you place it around the pie pan tight so that it fits nicely. You're going to then brush the parchment paper with olive oil or the melted butter, whichever you choose to use, about a tablespoon of either. Then you're going to pat down the rice mixture onto the bottom and sides of the pan. Pat down firmly into place with the back of a spoon. Bake this in a preheated 400 degree oven for 10 to 15 minutes. Then you're going to lower the oven temperature to 375. Take out the quiche pan and leave the oven set at 375. Now on to the filling. So you're going to blend the egg yolks with the ricotta and grated Swiss cheese in a separate bowl. Set that aside. Saute the chopped leeks or scallions with the remaining two tablespoons of olive oil until the leeks or scallions are transparent. Lower the heat and saute for about another five minutes. Remove from heat and let them cool. Now, if you're using butter, butter does have a uh, lower burning temperature, so be sure to watch that your leeks or scallions do not burn. Place the leeks or scallions into the egg and cheese mixture, and you're going to season to taste with salt, pepper, grated Parmigiano Reggiano cheese. Blend this well. You can blend it with a fork. Pour the mixture into your rice crust and bake it for 25 to 30 minutes at 375 degrees or until it's firm in the middle. Remove from the oven and let cool. When it's cooled, you can remove the quiche from the pie pan by picking up the parchment paper edges and place this on a serving plate and pull away the parchment paper. This dish is best served on the same day as it's made, but I've used this as great leftovers for lunch for the next day. And if you're going to heat it up before you know, you serve it because you want it to be a little warm. So um, reheat it in the oven before serving if it's gotten cooler. And reheat for about 5 to 10 minutes at 350 degrees. Be sure that you do not dry it out or burn the top. Really excited to have, um, she's so talented. A beautiful name also is Nadej Florimond. She was on Chopped. She has a book called Taste of Solitude. She has a successful catering company, a coaching company. Oh my gosh, where did you find the time? <laughs> I'm still wondering that myself, Maria. Thank you so much for having me today. You're welcome. I know people always tell me that too. So, and and so I shouldn't say that because I'm that type of person also. But and I think that's great too because I think you need to keep doing things and growing, right? You, you have to. And then what I tell people, one trick, the way I my mind wraps around everything I do, I consider everything a project, even though they're full fledged businesses. But I think that's where a lot of the ways like my methods. I just think of things as projects that need to be worked on as individual things in our allowed days, our allowed certain time slots. And you just have to be more structured than 
you probably want to be. (laughs) Yes, Yes, but I love it. And I, I love it when people, you know, get involved in so many different things because everything is, you know, everything is related and you're just, you just kind of keep growing and growing out there. So I have to say, I, I, I love that. I love your background. So can you give us some background? I know you have this method that you developed, which I think is so interesting. R-O-A-R, the ROAR method. So can you tell us about that? Well, thank you so much for asking that. As yes. you talk about getting things done, I think uh, the ROAR method is probably the answer to that question. ROAR stands for reach, organize, act, and realize. And I basically consider it my method for getting anything and everything done from the micro to the macro level. Because when you break down everything into its parts, you realize it requires the same steps in the same system. You reach for it, meaning you think about it, you you ensure that it's what you want, you set the goal, you set your why. So everything happens in that stage from I want to lose 10 pounds to I want to start a multi-million dollar company. It all stems from the desire. So that's your reach. It all stems from why you want to achieve that goal. So I consider that reach part, time slot, your fine tuning to understand your what is it that you want to do, why you want to do it, why it's important to you, why it connects to your passions, your purpose, everything. Then the O is the organize. That's the strategy stage, right? That's like, how am I going to get this done? Who do I need to meet? What lessons do I need to learn? What class do I need to take? What structures, what systems do I need to put in place in order to accomplish a goal? Like recently, you know, I had a young woman working for me because I'm in real estate as well. And she was like, you know what? I want to actually be a realtor as well. So it was like, okay, now you know what your reach is. What is the organization? Well, I'm busy. I don't really have time. So for you to get your license, you have to create the time. So she had to create a system and a structure. When was she going to take her classes? Was she going to do it online? What is she going to do? And that's your stage to really structure yourself and make it happen and then you get to your a which is the act i tell people this is the most important part of the system they're all important but i feel like a lot of people get stuck there because oftentimes in my coaching practice i'll meet someone who's like well you know i'm a perfectionist so that's the reason i don't start things because i'm planning and i want to make sure everything is perfect so i can get it going But I realize sometimes, not every time, but a lot of times that's fear speaking. And we use procrastination. We use perfectionism as a scapegoat not to act. And you have to act. It's in the acting that you're going to correct anyways. I tell people all the time in being an entrepreneur, I've learned over the years, the real magic happens in the doing. The real learning happens in the doing. So when you have to act so you can adjust, you can see what's working, especially if you organize correctly. You'll make mistakes, you'll make less when you organize properly, but you still need to put into action to see, hey, was it a good idea to open a restaurant in this strip? Was it a good idea to walk on the street at this hour and do X, Y, Z? So you need to do it so you can really adjust and, and, and get to your R, which is the realization, the accomplishment, the scaling if needs to be 
what needs to be adjusted all happens in that real life stage when it happens, whether you're going to grow, whether you're going to do it all over again, whether you're just going to be like, oh, wow, I did it and I'm good. So that's really what the raw method is. <laughs> wow. And that's really interesting. I love it that you organized, you know, into that method because business is so related to everything we do, as you know. And, you know, I think the one thing, you know, you you talked about many things with that, which are very important. But the one thing that kind of rang a bell with me is I know even myself, but other people I hear, you know, they're afraid to jump in because they think all the ducks have to be in a row. You know, everything has to be perfect or they can't start. And it's like, just like you said, you have to just start, right? Yes, you just start with baby baby steps. The one of the things that I always remember, you know, when I was really young, I took swimming lessons and I always hated, you know, I would dip my toe in the water and it's like, do I want to go in? Do I want to go in? And it was always like, you have to just jump in or you'll never get in the water. It's never the right temperature. You know, if you don't jump in now, you're just never going to get in. And it's the same thing with business. And I think that, you know, that little comment you made about exactly thinking that everything has to be just perfect or they can't do it will never be perfect, right? You just have to make it perfect for yourself, I guess. Correct? Correct. Correct. And that swimming example is perfect because what happens when you do get in right your body right. adjusts you right adjust. yeah that's another not so point. cold anymore right yes so yes cold. i didn't even think <laughs> exactly exactly so so tell me how did you and i love that whole idea i think it's organized so wonderfully so how did you what did it just like kind of hit you one day that hey you know it how did you from i get i'm sure this came from your experience because you have an entrepreneurial background also do you remember like the day that you kind of just started how did that you start thinking about this roar method it was funny because i've been running my catering company for about now 18 years but at the time it was probably eight years in and i always get questions from other entrepreneurs because i think people that i know people i went to school with they've always been intrigued by the fact that i've been able to live through my passions they've been intrigued in the fact that i love food i studied political science and it was kind of like how did you get into food and i was like well i love cooking it was purely accidental in the sense that i never sought out to start a catering company, but they were intrigued by that and they wanted to know how can they start their businesses. So I initially started about thinking about coaching about 10 years ago. And I was like, well, how do I systemize what I do and how I do it? So uh -huh. I actually started thinking about, it. I started thinking of my school mascot because I went to Columbia University undergrad. Uh -huh. I studied political science, as I mentioned, because my initial thought was I was going to be a lawyer. Uh -huh. Being an immigrant child, you're supposed to be yeah. either a doctor or a lawyer, so yes. some kind of engineer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I thought about the mascot, and I remember, I was like, oh, a school mascot at Columbia is a lion, and I always loved the tenacity oh. of a lion, you know? Yes, yes, yes. So I was like, wow, and what does a, a lion do? Roar. So it doesn't happen in one shot. It's just like these yes. are like micro little things that happen in your brain. So yes. then I was like, imagine if I could make the war stand for something. And yes. then it just came, you know, little by little, the pieces started working and it just made sense. And that's how it came out. So it was that combination of systemizing my work and then 
all so I could package it using what was around me, which is my education, the yeah. visuals and all of that. But yes. let me mention this. I had this idea over 10 years ago. Yeah. I didn't formally start my coaching company until about two years later. So it takes time before yeah. we could sometimes, even me who's seasoned, sometimes yes. we all have that fear that I'm like, well, yes. how, how can I teach someone else to do this? Do I even really know what I'm doing? Yes, <laughs> you know, like, yes, yes. <laughs> I love that. Yes, you're saying all the things that I think the same. Yes, but you think about something and it's like, no, that's really... <laughs> No, is that really, that's not going to do anything and nobody's mm -hmm. going to like it or yeah. do I have enough background here? Like you said, you had been thinking about it and working on it for 10 years and you were wondering if you had enough background in it. I think everybody, you know, and it's the same thing. Go out there, jump in that cold water and let yourself adjust. And uh, well, I, we're so glad that you finally decided to come out with that roar method. I think that <laughs> sounds like a great way for people especially that want to you know have a successful business but need the coaching you know yeah. to organize that I love it because it's such a strong you know roar it's such a strong <laughs> word it it encompasses when you just hear that you know you think of being strong and you know successful and powerful so it says it all <laughs> A lot of entrepreneurial experiences. Can you, is there any that stick out in your mind of all your entrepreneurial experiences that you'd like to tell us about? Anything? I think what's for me the most intriguing part I tell people is how things evolve. I always tell people to be an entrepreneur, you need to be innovative, but the other key important thing is you have to be malleable, to be flexible. Not flexible enough that you just bend to whatever, but flexible enough that you're able to adjust and flow it and still be able to head in the direction that you want. So I remember when I first started catering, I was very much corporate catering. I was very much corporate catering and all my entrepreneur endeavors, like you mentioned earlier, everything connects for me, even though they may be different, but they connect. I started off catering very corporate in 2002 because my network was you know a very corporate so i was doing like uh the colbert report catering for dr oz catering for various companies here in new york then 2008 hit with the recession and then i was like wow business dried up what am i going to do so many businesses were closing and shutting down but then i was like oh the one thing i noticed with catering is people still get married no matter what's happening with the economy yes. you know people uh -huh. still what, they may not have big budgets, but they still yes. have decent budgets. And there are certain things they will not negotiate, which is their weddings, yes. funeral, repast, different things that still need life occasions still needed to be celebrated. So yes. I started really gearing my company toward that. But then I never did those type of events. Mm -hmm. So I started developing my own events as a way to showcase oh. what I did on the catering side. Because I was like, I was never that advertiser in newspapers, advertiser mm -hmm. on Facebook ads weren't as popular. So it was uh -huh. mainly like, how can I show people what a beautiful event I can give them? So I started hosting events and I started uh -huh. being known as that person who does these lavish galas, uh -huh. lavish things so people could see themselves in it. So uh -huh. I was really, I think I'm proud of that when I think about it in retrospect, because I was like, wow. 
I could have just laid there, played dead, and just yeah. like, wow, I have to get a job. And I thought about it almost yes. every day in 2008 and 2009, yes. you know? <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, wow. And then the other component I developed around that time was cooking classes. I was like, I need to develop a low-end system to food where it's not such a luxury item like catering, but everyone can participate. So I started running Groupons and started doing, uh, you know, cooking parties, as I called mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. gather a group of friends in your own home. We would come in or I would rent venues and invite people, Italian cooking classes, Thai cooking classes. So it was almost kind of like a cultural immersion. I've always loved the component of food, diversity, con- using food as a way to connect to people. So I mm-hmm. used that same opportunity to do that and build community or yeah. all at the same time increasing my clientele. Exactly. And I think, and I think the second time it happened was just now, like COVID-19 hit, yes. catering stopped. It basically, yes. you know, I'm in the events business. We Clients were canceling left and right, you know, um, charging back credit cards because oh, wow. they were afraid. And then I had to postpone so many of my events to 2021. Yes. So I was home. I used the quarantine time as a way, one connect to food again i turned on my 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 phones started cooking on my social media i had no intention to write taste of solitude i had no intention (laughs) that i was going to write a cookbook because my thought was my coaching business was really going well Uh and that's what i wanted to develop more and focus more of my Uh intention on i was planning on writing a a development book um, called lessons from my father uh-huh. for 2020 but uh-huh. COVID-19 kind of like shifted yeah. that and as I was cooking <laughs> on Instagram <laughs> cooking on Facebook it just made sense to develop these recipes into a book yes package it in the way I like to talk about food which is how do I talk about experiences and lessons and gratitude and hope and mm-hmm. all the thoughts and experiences that were happening around these times share those recipes because food does offer comfort but also kind of like still share my ideologies and my thoughts on life and experiences and that's how taste of salad food came so i think in entrepreneurship what i'm most proud of is definitely the ability not specific moments but the Mm -hmm. ability to always be able to shift pivot i don't even like to use the word pivot i just like (laughs) kind of like flow with what's going on yes and grow you grow and 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 i think that and that is such another wonderful point that you're bringing out because i've seen that too too many people are so you know they just as you said they think they can only do their business in one way but the world is moving so fast eventually it's going to change and just as you said so you have to be flexible enough to grow and just kind of shift i guess a little just as you did which i think is so wonderful so you have that successful brand and because you you know you know well 
if I can't do it this way, I'm going to do it the uh, this way. Now, you know, with COVID, of course, we all had to shift. In fact, I'm doing the same thing. I was supposed to do a radio show and the, bro- the studios were closed down. So I'm like, you know what? Just starting it as a podcast and any cooking classes I do, doing online also. But hey, you know, that's a great way to do stuff too. So, yes. so and I love it that it gave you the time to do this wonderful book, which, which I, I love the concept because I know you talk about, um, I love the title first, Taste of Solitude. I think we all need some of that in our lives now. And it's, you know, uh, you talk about cultures, how food brings cultures kind of together. And I've always loved exploring cultures through different food and languages, you know, the language of food, I consider food a language too, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I love the way that you talk about that with with your book. So is that how I know I, I was uh, meaning to talk about this? And I guess we're calling it a culinary journal is that my producer called it a culinary journal toast yes, of solitude. That, yeah, no, that is actually the is that correct? That- yeah, this, that's the subtitle. It's uh, wow. Solitude or Culinary Journal. So what do you, so I wanted to talk about it and I know you've touched on it. So what do you, at the end of the day, so somebody gets your book, what do you hope that people take away from reading Taste of Solitude? I think a couple of things. I think there's the element of that our food experiences are more similar than we think. Because on the recipe side of it, for me, I consider it a fusion book. Fusion in the sense that I'm of Haitian heritage. And that is the foundation of how I cook. Even though my clientele is not necessarily Haitian all the time, most of the time it's not. But I do consider it what makes my catering business the way that I cook unique because I bring that perspective to the kitchen and I love travel. I love uh, culture. So when I travel and I step into a place, whether it's local or internationally, I'm always looking at the space from a food inspired lens. I'm always looking at the way people communicate through food, whether it's street food, whether it's in the home, who cooks, how do they cook, why do they cook the things they cook. And like I say, I'm not a culinary historian in any sense of the word, but I am intrigued by it. So I think I'm always looking for it. So when I wanted to write Taste of Solitude, I wanted to bring some of those flavors of different foods, but still anchored in Haitian cuisine, because I'm always looking to educate the world a little bit more about Haitian food, Uh because I think there's very few people who know about it. And I think it's such a phenomenal cuisine. Uh It's such a phenomenal culture and history. So I use culinary as a way to educate the world about it in whatever way I can. So, but I, I, I wanted to share those flavors of Italy with the paella. I wanted uh-huh. to share the flavors of Jamaica with the Escovitch snapper. Uh-huh. I wanted to share the flavors of the, you know, Puerto Rico with the plantain lasagna, uh-huh. just to show like, wow, there is similarity through the food. Yes. And then at the same time, focus it around comfort foods, because based on what we've experienced the last five months, yes. we need comfort. <laughs> definitely. Yes, definitely. So you have some fusion, like you did fusion. It sounds so interesting. The plantain lasagna, is that what you just said? Yes. yes wow. So you did a lot of, and I love fusion when you know as you know you're mixing the cultures and it's so interesting 
interesting to do that because a lot of different cultures have different tastes, different flavors that blend so well together. And I love that you that you took the time to do that and uh, put recipes together. One thing I do have to ask you because everybody loves that show Chop. Now yeah. you know you were on it. It's become such a powerhouse TV program. So can you tell us a little bit about anything about your experiences on the show? Yeah, no, it was an amazing experience. I think Chop came at a point which was like over like 10 years ago now. But I think it came at a point in my culinary journey where I was still dazed. I don't own television. I didn't even Uh know what Chopped was at the time. (laughs) 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 So when I got casted for it and they reached out to me, I said, sure, TV. But I don't even think I even understood myself what a great and big opportunity it was. I would say I think I would have made more of it had it if it happens now, uh-huh. but at the time I was just like, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. We're too busy doing things to watch TV. I know people always ask me, did, did you see that show? And I'm like, what, what is it? They're like, how you never saw that show. And it's like, she's, I hardly ever have time to watch TV. So I hear you. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. So I don't think I even did, but I, afterwards I saw the impact and see and realize just how many people watched it. And, and and still refer to it 10 years later and remember me. I have fans that are still following me on social media to this That's day great. because of that show. So oh. I definitely say, wow, I'm glad I took advantage of the opportunity in that way. But I do, part of me just hope that, wow, I was a little bit more prepared for it as well. <laughs> yes. Well, that's, that's All great. this to say, I did not win, Maria. I did not win. You know, it was a great opportunity anyway to be on there. So whether you won or lost, I don't think we were even thinking of that. Just that, just that you were on there because it's become such a powerhouse of a show. No, I, I know so many, sh- and by the way, I know a lot of other chefs that have been on there that are extremely successful, didn't win also. So mm-hmm. I think it's just, you know, that you were on there was a great experience. So I do want you to tell people where to find you. But before I do, I always ask all, all my guests, to answer this question for me. What does food mean to you? Uh, Food for me is connection. Food is community. Food is joy. Food is the true soundtrack to our lives. I guess I'll call it the food track, but I say soundtrack because I think it's at every juncture, at every experience, good, bad, sad, happy. Food is there in some form. Um, So, yeah, so I would say it's those things and connection and community probably are the biggest ones that stick out because I think it disarms. I think it allows for conversation. I think it allows for connection. That's great. I love I love that answer. I think connection is a wonderful word to use with food. I love that. So Nadej Florman, thank you so much for being here. And we've learned so much, actually. Learned a lot. But can you tell everybody, please tell everybody where to find you and how to find you. Thank you so much, Maria, for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to speak yes. to you, speak to your wonderful audience. I am available on 
all social media platform as my name. I'm not that creative, so I only have my name. <laughs> I'm creative in food, but not in the name. Well, your your name is creative. <laughs> I I think it's a, a a work of art too. It's so beautiful, as I told you. So you didn't really need to create anything else, but. <laughs> <laughs> So you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, even my website. It's nadejflorimond.com. That's N-A-D-E-G-E-F-L-E-U-R-I-M-O-N-D, as in david.com. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I pretty much live on Facebook and Instagram, so I'm always there. Send me a message. Let's connect. I would love to. I do cooking you know, shows sometimes on my lives via those platforms. So if you want to learn something new, interesting, I'm always there. <laughs> and don't forget Taste of Solitude. That's a new book, right? Is that your new book? That is my new book. It just released July 31st. That's wow. available on my website as well, nadeshflorimond.com. If you're on my, any of my social media platforms, you'll see a link to it. But it's definitely a great book that connects food as well as the journaling of the last few months and the experiences that came around that in the lessons. So I hope someone who reads it, they're able to take the, some of those lessons to get them through, whether it's a tough time or just everyday experiences and offer them some perspective. Yes. And I think that's great. That book is great. Also, as you mentioned, if you need something to get you through this whole period and, you know, a lot of people are taking up cooking that haven't really had the time to do it. Now you have the time. So it's a great book to kind of take and get through this period of quarantining and all this other stuff that's going on. So it's a really nice book to do. And hey, if you do make any of the recipes in Taste of Solitude, share them on uh, social media hashtag it the Maria Liberati show and Taste of Solitude and we will both share it on our social media I'm sure website social media as well Um, yes I think that would be a lot of fun and Nadej Fleurman thank you so much and much success to you girl you're going loads of places I'm sure with all this stuff you have going on I don't have to tell you that but (laughs) yeah thank you so much thank you for the work you do as well i appreciate it and the world needs it so thank you for connecting us to your amazing thoughts and and recipes on italian cuisine because again every time i think of italian cuisine i definitely think of the similarities with haitian food especially a lot of the food that really ground that are grounded in the culture at least as the world knows it started off as peasant foods right started off as the foods that people you know like I think of Osubuko like how people were like well this is the toughest part you know yes the toughest part of the of the lamb so now it's revered (laughs) but at the time it was a necessity right so I think of cuisine in the same way where a lot of the foods that were once considered slave food or peasant food yes poor people food but now you package it a little bit differently or you've traveled across different lands with it and it has a whole completely different meaning. I love it. Thank you for also telling us that because I am not, and I now you're making me want to, I'm going to have to study a little bit more about Haitian cuisine, but I love that because I know there are a lot of cultures that have this similarity, as you said, with Italian cooking being related first to that peasant kitchen, those recipes that they 
developed are now served in some of the most expensive restaurants because as you said they're packaged differently <laughs> so people are like oh my gosh you know that it's some wonderful or very unique recipe and here it was developed by the peasants right because yeah. they you know really I mean they had to just try to make do with whatever ingredients they had and they were became so creative because out of necessity so uh, I love that I, I was not aware of that about Haitian cooking so I will definitely look into that but yes I love the similarities also yeah. that's wonderful be like I said I, I, I and the food tastes great so I love yes. <laughs> both Italian cuisine and Haitian food we can say the same they taste yes so thank you so much. Thank, thank you again. And uh, thanks again. And I'm sure we'll have you back at another time on your next book or your next project. <laughs> thank you so much, Maria. Have a wonderful day. Thanks. You too, Nadej. Thank you. Thanks for joining and listening to the Maria Liberati Show. If you have any recipes that were inspired by today's episode, like my rice-crusted quiche, or any recipes from my blog at marialiberati.com, or my new YouTube channel, the Maria Liberati Channel, or our special guest today's book, A Taste of Solitude by Nadege Florimond. Take a picture, show us. We'd love to see any of your homemade favorite dishes and hashtag the Maria Liberati show posted on social media. We'll be gathering pictures and posting on my website and social media in the next few weeks. Thanks to my producer, Britton Roselle, and this week's guest, Nadege Florimond. Go to my website, marialiberati.com to keep up with my blog and the show and my book series and the basic art of Italian cooking. Go to Twitter. That's Maria Liberati with a capital M. You can find me on Facebook at Chef Maria Liberati and Maria Liberati. You can also find me on Instagram at Maria Liberati and Chef underscore Maria Liberati. And don't forget to post your answer to the question, what does food mean to you in a recorded soundbite of no longer than 60 seconds or a social media post of 50 words or less? Hashtag it the Maria Liberati Show. Post on social media or email it to me at maria at marialiberati.com. If your answers are selected for an upcoming podcast segment, you'll receive an autographed copy of my book, The Basic Art of Italian Cooking. And we'll send it to you no matter where you live in the world. So anywhere in the world. Until next time, peace, love, and pasta.